Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fundamentals Podcast. It is Jack and Jeff once again as we are diving into the book of 1 Corinthians. We will be on chapter 12 today. My name, of course, is Jack, and I'm joined by the pastor, the Reverend Jeffrey Tucker himself. Jeff, how are you doing this fine day? You're looking sharp. Thanks. Feeling good. Ready to talk about some spiritual gifts. So I say we jump right in. All right, let's do it. So again, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, and we use the ESV translation. So Let's uh, see what Paul has for us today. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that you were pagans. You were When you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So... Um kind of the point that he's making in the first few verses is even when you are pagan, if you think back to the discussion about uh, sharing in pagan meals and like uh, ritualistic meals, he was talking about how behind those meals there is, there's, it's not just kind of like a benign cultural thing. There are demonic forces working to kind of uh, undermine faith or to pull people away from faith. So that's kind of what he's worried about for those who are weaker in faith, faith kind of that weaker conscience that he used earlier in the chapter. So this is saying, uh, if even when you were uh, worshiping mute idols, it was a demonic force leading you to do that, even more so here, if you proclaim Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart, that is an act of the Holy Spirit who is present in you to create faith, to sustain faith. Uh, that's not something we can do on our own. It's, it's, a, it's a work of the Spirit. And so in that sense, every Christian is spiritual because they have the spirit, right? So mm-hmm. there's, um, there are like the more charismatic, uh, spiritual gifts. We'll talk about later, like prophecy, speaking in tongues, those, those kinds of things. Uh, what Paul is saying here is that all of us have spiritual gifts. All of us have that abiding presence of the spirit because we've been baptized and, and we've received the gift of faith. So, uh, he's making the point that if you are in the church, you're, you're spiritual. And if you are proclaiming, uh, anything other than, Jesus as Lord, or if your spiritual gift somehow undermines the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, then that's not a gift of the Holy Spirit. That's not a spiritual gift. If it in any way undermines that work. So uh, kind of the markers of the presence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus tells us that it will help us, number one, remember him and his words to us. Uh, It will comfort us. It will bear true witness about who he is, what he's done, what it means to follow him. And uh, it will ultimately bring glory to him and his father. So uh, the point being, if your gift doesn't do that, then you've got the wrong spirit. Yeah. And it's definitely something for us to be aware of. It gives a clear marker when you're looking at yourself or if you're looking at somebody else, is this a person that I want to follow? They may have some very cool and flashy gifts and abilities and and seem really impressive, but if they are using their gifts in a way that is not, uh, for the glory of God, uh, in Jesus name, then we need to be aware of that quickly so that we don't follow down uh, a dangerous path. Uh, Let's do a nice little chunk here, uh, verses 4 through 11. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but in the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, 
to another, the working of miracles, to other prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by the by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Yeah, as he wills and as is needed, right? So uh, diversity is a good thing. Variety is the spice of life is a saying we use, uh, and it should be a given in the assembly of the church. So not everyone in the church should look the same, act the same, uh, should have the same spiritual gifts. I would say that's, it's, it would be bad for the church if all of us were like pastors, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like not all of us need to be doing the same job in the church or have the same responsibilities or the same passions. So diversity in the church is a good thing. That's the first point I want to make. Uh, but all of these gifts, whether it's wisdom or faith or healing, prophecy, discernment, et cetera, they all serve the same purpose. And that's uh, they all testify to God's kind of creative genius um, is what I'm going to say here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you take a step back. You look at like the diversity of our planet. You look at the diversity of wildlife, the diversity of people, of plant life, um, of habitats. They all give testimony in some sense to the majesty of our God to to his creative power, to um, his overwhelming uh, presence in the world, and and they all testify to his glory. And so that's exactly what our new life in the spirit is supposed to do. It's supposed to testify to God's creative genius, his creative power, uh, and his ability to work things together to his own glory. And so um, God delighted in creating you, Jack, and me, and everyone who is uh, born again in faith Uh, to be unique, to be a unique manifestation of his grace in the world around us. So the things I do are are my own kind of uh, testimony of God's grace in my own life. And and it should be that way. Uh, And the spirit, the spirit has the ability to express itself through you in a wide variety of ways. So it requires some open-mindedness when we talk about spiritual gifts. Yeah. And I I love, they're not meant to be comparative gifts. A lot of them are complementary gifts and it's something to be uh, like, how silly would it be to me to be jealous of Jeff's many gifts instead of celebrating his many gifts and empowering him to use his gifts for the right purpose. That's how we all win when everybody is in that same spot that God has created them to be uh, and to, to use those in every area. Like I, I love what a lot of sports teams do, if they ever win the championship, every single person in the organization gets a championship ring. Not everyone saw the court or the field. Not everybody is the million dollar employee. However, they all get it because it's an understanding that we all work together for something awesome. And in God's yep. kingdom, it's even a better picture of that. If we get to share in Jesus's reward who earned it for us, um, but we get to celebrate whether you get to be that pastor in front of everybody, or you were doing these big earthly numbers type thing, or you are handling whatever small or different responsibility God has given you, all of that is working together for his kingdom. Yeah. And I, I love the the phrase empowered by one and the same spirit Mm. individually, right? So uh, that means you have freedom in your expression of the spirit. It's limited, right? It still has to give glory to Jesus and it has to be faithful to Mm -hmm. what we've received, but you have freedom to do things differently from one another. Uh, And it also means that just because someone um, has gifts that are different from yours or, or maybe does something that you're not familiar with or that you would never do yourself. Uh, it doesn't mean you get to bash them for it. In fact, I would invite you to just shut up about it. Uh, if you don't like the way someone is doing something, 
but it doesn't, it doesn't undermine the gospel of Jesus Christ, then just, then just keep your opinion to yourself. I, I don't know, Jack, does that, is that okay for me to say? It is absolutely okay to say, and it's honestly necessary for us to say, because people do not operate in the same ways as I have my way about going about things. And like you said, it comes down to that perspective. If I were doing something in my ministry that one elevated myself and diminished the role of Christ or anything like that, absolutely come in. I, I need that help. And I need that kind of, you know, pep talk to get me going in the, the right direction. Right. Um, but if it is God glorifying, it's Jesus centric, what we're doing about it, you may not love it, but that is not the thing to object to. And of course, I mean, sometimes it comes down to simple things like music. It's not the, the way that I like it. Well, is it glorifying Jesus? Then it's great music uh, in that way. Or you, in, in, yeah. You have a right and a responsibility to ask the question to, mm-hmm. to make sure that if someone is speaking in the name of Jesus, that they are uh, truly honoring him and what they do. You have that right. But mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the point that you just don't like the way they do things because it doesn't uh, make you comfortable or it doesn't fit the way you want things to be, it doesn't fit into your uh, small little circle of how a Christian life should be lived, then then you have you have to just stop talking at some point. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I believe it's Fran, uh, Francis Chan that said this, but there was uh, one particular worship service they had at his church and someone came up to him afterwards and said, hey, pastor, you know, I didn't really like that worship service. And Francis Chan's response was good. We're not worshiping you, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. We're just putting the emphasis. We're here to worship Jesus. Like right. uh, it was glorifying to him. He loved it. Um, and that's what the beauty comes into. We can find that appreciation where we're finding it there. Um, in what it's actually doing and, and bringing people together in that way. Uh, but sometimes it's tough for us to hear because we do yeah. have preferences. We all have favorite things that we like in all areas. Uh, but it comes back to what Paul said, like you have rights, but are you willing to just as Jesus did give up those rights for the betterment of the, the community as yep. is, is really the, the challenge there, but it creates such uh, such a stronger community, a much more united community when we focus on what's important and we're able to deal with those things that, you know, are maybe not our favorite preference. And I love that it's the same spirit given, right? I don't have, just because I'm ordained in the Lutheran church, I don't have like a, a higher concentrate level of the spirit, right? I I've received God's spirit. It was given to me in baptism and my gifts might look different than yours, but we've each received the Holy spirit. The, the same Holy Spirit, uh, and that's a that's a good thing. That's really empowering, I think, for the church to hear that message that each of us has received the Holy Spirit into our lives. Yeah, um, and and it makes me think again, like we've been saying, you know, especially for conservative church bodies like our own, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we can get a little skittish about kind of the more charismatic spiritual gifts, like uh, we can be skeptical or cynical about prophecy or speaking in tongues. Um, and like I said before, it's okay to test the spirits, right. To, um, and John talks about in that in his first epistle, but don't let your own narrow mindedness kind of, uh, dictate what the church can and can't do, uh, be willing to, uh, listen to others, learn from others, uh, Mm -hmm. see how they're working, how Jesus is working in their life. And, And then, you know, uh, ask the spirit or ask God to give you the spirit of discernment that you would be able to tell, Hey, is this truly faithful to uh, how God has called us to live and and how he calls us to uh, proclaim his name to the nations? And and that's okay. But 
don't go in narrow-minded. Yeah. I mean, God's power is not limited to your understanding of God's right. power. It goes right. well and beyond. Uh, and that should be exciting uh, for all of us. He does some really cool things. And again, God didn't create, I mean, you have two pastor Jeffs at your church, but they're two very different pastor Jeffs and wildly different. Yeah. And, and, and it's important. And that's a wonderful, great thing that we all get to. He has created you to do the things he's created you to do. He didn't create yep. you to do somebody else's things. He didn't create somebody else to do your things, but he has, he has given us all. And that's, I mean, exciting when you think about Ephesians 2, they just prepare good works for you in advance where it's like, I wake up and be like, hey, God has brought me here for this day. And I'm sure I've missed countless things he prepared for me, but I can wake up and look for, hey, God, I know you have me here today for a reason. Allow me to join in with what you're doing. Yep, that's exactly right. So let's get uh, continue here with Paul in, in 12 and 13 here. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body though many are one body. So it is with Christ for in one spirit, we all were baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free and all were made to drink of one spirit. So unity is not a, it's not a future thing in Jesus Christ. It, in a way that sometimes seems totally contradictory to what we see in the church. Unity is already the reality in Jesus Christ. Christ has unified his church in a way that transcends even our differences, even our disagreements. So unity in the real body of Jesus Christ is already the reality. So, and we've all received this gift of the Holy spirit in our baptism. And ultimately the things that differ about us and the way we do things don't matter nearly as much as the things that unify us. And, and that's a tension that we got to wrestle with as the church is that uh, it is important when we do have uh big theological differences that we don't just like shove those under the rug. Uh, You know, when we have disagreements about the sacraments and what they do, those are important and we got to talk about them and uh, where we feel uh, convicted to uh, speak faithfully and truthfully about something like the Lord's supper. I'm not telling us to throw those things out the window either, but, Mm -hmm. um, but we should be working towards that unity. We should be working towards better expressions of that unity and trying to reconcile differences and not get so married to uh, our individual identities as denominations or sects of the Christian church. We, I really believe the church should be working towards better unity. Yeah, it's, I believe that's what Jesus prayed for all his believers to come. That's the one thing he prayed, that they would be united as he and the Father are united. And I love my my uh, Pastor John, who I got to work with for a few years. He's a wonderful man, and I, I don't believe this is an original saying to him, but he would say it and remind me, um, the difference between unite and untie is an eye in front of a cross. Hmm. And so just putting yourself before the cross to be united with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to recognize that it is not about my life, but it is about Jesus and the kingdom that he has brought me into through his sacrifice. And to, if I, you know, forget about that, it leads to that untie. So we like, I love how you put it, Jeff, that unitedness, that you, that unity is not just a future thing. We'll have that in, in fullness in heaven, but we get to experience that today because that is a gift that comes through what Jesus has done for us. Okay. Continues with talk about the body here in 14 through 20. Uh, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. 
that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Yeah, so this is a really uh, powerful but easy to understand word picture. If tomorrow I lost my sense of sight, uh, then I would have a much better understanding of kind of the interdependency of the Bible that Paul is describing here. We're dependent on each other because ultimately the whole church is dependent on Jesus Christ, right? And and Mm -hmm. that abiding presence of the spirit. And so, uh, like I said before, it's good and it's necessary that we have diversity within our church. It is a necessary thing. I just want to keep repeating that. Mm -hmm. Um, And everyone brings something to the table, but, uh, but the point Paul is making here ultimately is that no one part is entirely self-sufficient. We need the rest of the body and we need the one thing that is unifying the whole body, which is Jesus Christ. And so uh, God deliberately designed his church to be this way, right? That it would consist of individuals that are united in one spirit under Jesus Christ. Uh, and so he designed us to need each other, to, to need community, to need the fellowship of the saints. And when we start to feel like we don't need each other, then we start living out outside of God's design for his church. And that's just sin. That's living in sin. That's not living in the way that God has called us to live. And so uh, I just love, I love the word picture because it's really, really easy to understand in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are too comfortable ignoring this passage of scripture, I think, because uh, we really value what we do. We think uh, we are self-sufficient or we try to be Mm -hmm. self-sufficient even. Uh, I think about all the churches around the Valley in Phoenix and I would love to work with these churches more. Mm-hmm. We can have disagreements on certain things, but if we were all working in the name of Jesus to really envelop the city, to love the city, to serve the city, to tell the city about Jesus Christ, then I think we would be a lot more effective in all aspects of our ministry. And just what what a powerful, I mean, image that would really be for those that struggle with wanting to join the church because they see the hypocrisy and they see the struggle of, wow, you guys can't, I mean, you got five of your buildings right next to each other because you can't get along. You know, you're, you're all separate. Uh, and, but yet say you're united in mission and to be able to do that, even in, you know, small ways can lead to such big, uh, changes. And I, and I love this too. Like you think about sometimes it can be so easy to be like, well, I'm not the pastor. I'm not out front. I'm not, you know, on staff or I haven't done all these trainings. I can't do this. No, you have the most important thing already. The Holy right. Spirit, God working in your life, everyone is needed. Like uh, it is just wild to see. Again, I'm sure you see it at your church as well. I've seen it at any church I've been a part of. There's so much ministry that happens, and it is definitely not all because of the pastor. Yeah, he gets to shepherd and gets to lead, and that's a tremendous role that he has. But I guarantee you, they would all say they would be lost without their congregation stepping up and using their gifts to come around right. and reach out to so many different areas. Because everyone listening to this podcast, you know, people that we don't know. And it's not, I mean, you feel free to share the podcast, but more importantly, you get to have the conversations. You get to connect with them and invite them and uh, be a part of their lives in ways that we never could. And our jobs are uh, like the, at the root of our job is to equip other people to go into a world that doesn't know Jesus. So Jack equips children all the time to uh, live a life of faith in a world that is increasingly falling away from faithfulness. Uh, Mm -hmm. My job is to equip uh, people of all ages to talk about Jesus, to uh, follow Jesus, to understand the Bible so that they can be 
uh, better advocates and, and sharers of God's word. So um, just like you said, Jack, you, you all are way better equipped to speak truth into the lives of the people around you than me as an outsider trying to step into your position, into your neighborhood, into your family and friend circles. Uh, you are totally equipped as you are because you have the Holy Spirit. We're just here to kind of help with that process. Yeah, I, I had the delight of speaking with a congregational member here who wanted to bring a Bible study aspect into his business. And he was talking to him, we were brainstorming ideas and going through things. It was a super exciting project that he was very passionate about. And then he kind of started to get into a little bit of like, well, how do I do this? Like, do I bring you in? Do I bring in one of the pastors to come lead in? And I was just kind of saying, well, I'm always willing to help out. However, like, you're the one that knows these people and has the passion and are right there. And you see this need, it's been brought to your attention right. and you get to run with this. And uh, it was someone that um, getting to know more and I'm excited to continue to pray for his ministry and reach out and see if there are ways in which I can be of service, but what a blessing he'll be to people. Cause he recognized that. And hopefully my words were encouraging and empowering to him to, to, to reach those people. But yeah, it's like, I would come in cold, not knowing anybody. They don't know me. I'm you know, hired gun opposed to someone that's there. That's, already building up and has, have seen this passion because God wants to work through every single person. He's given us our different gifts and our different eyes to, to do this. And uh, well, let's, let's jump into the next verses. Cause I think Paul covers this pretty great here. Yeah. Uh, 21 through 26. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Yeah, so this was a great reminder for me as now a pastor in a church, and I think every pastor should be forced to kind of read this uh, on like a weekly basis that we are not, we're not saviors of the church. We're not uh, ultimately the fixers of churches. Um, and so it's good and necessary and important that in our efforts to bless the church, to be faithful to our calling, to equip the church, that we do know how to ask for help from people mm -hmm. that aren't just pastors, but the people in our congregation that, that we have enough trust and faith in God working in their lives that we recognize we can't do all this on our own. And so we ask people to join us in the mission of the church because it, it's their church just as much as it's our church and it's Christ's church ultimately. Mm -hmm. And so like, I don't have ownership of the church. I have, I'll, I'll be asked to give an account of my faithfulness, right? I'll be held mm -hmm. to a standard uh, when Jesus returns, you know, did I faithfully lead people to follow Jesus? Um, but I don't like, it's not like Christ church Lutheran, belongs to me. It belongs to everyone who is a part of that congregation because we all submit to the headship of Jesus Christ. So, uh, and then going into verses 22 and 23, I, it made me think of like our kidneys, right? Uh, mm -hmm. they probably don't get a lot of our thought on a day-to-day -day basis. Like I'm not trying to think about right now, how's my kidney feeling as an individual member of my body. Uh, but when you start having kidney or renal problems, then you really start to take notice of your kidney or same thing goes for your heart. We probably take for granted that it beats in our chest on a continual basis without us giving any conscious thought to it. And so there are parts of our body that we probably overvalue, 
because we're so used to using them and seeing them and giving conscious thought to them, you know, like our hands. But if I lost my left hand tomorrow, it would be hugely inconvenient to me. Uh, but if I lost my heart tomorrow, obviously I can't go living. If I lost one of my kidneys, I would have to seriously change some things about my life. Um, and so there are those parts of our body. There's those parts of the church that, uh, we take for granted. It's those people that do so much of the work behind the scenes that don't ask for glory. They don't ask for credit. They don't even ask for a pulpit to speak from. They're just happy to serve in kind of what can feel like an understated way, uh, a way that's behind the scenes. And, and so I love that Paul is saying, you know, they deserve uh, honor and glory for their work too. And God will honor them for the work that they do for the kingdom of heaven. Um, so I'm, you know, I want to make it a point in my own ministry, not to take those people for granted because you can, the other side of it is you can get used to asking certain people for help because you know, they're faithful because you know mm -hmm. that they want to be helpful to you, that you start to take for granted, uh, all that they do for you. So if you are one of those people that serves in the church and doesn't ask for any credit, just, just, uh, does your grind every week is, is always, uh, constantly present and helping. Thank you. Uh, you are crucial to the health of the church and we need honestly more people like you. Absolutely. Uh, Jeff, I think you could pull off the wooden hand look in case you do lose your, uh, yeah, right. in there. but, uh, and as we go a little bit, like verse 26 has always stuck with me and recently kind of hit me a different way. This idea of one member suffers all suffer together. Cause I think sometimes when we're in the church, uh, and I, I'm dealing with kids, you know, kids, they can say silly things because adults would never say silly things. Kids sometimes will exclude a different kid. Adults would never do anything like that. But mm. uh, right. uh, I see this in, in that group in that moment that excludes the other one who's then suffering and, and feels bad that they're not a part of the group or maybe was shut down. The group that stayed together and was doing the excluding, they might not feel like in that moment they are also suffering. But the thing that comes down to is if I am stopping a member of the body of Christ from living up to their full potential, I am missing out and the whole kingdom is missing out of what God has designed that person to do. So when we shut anybody down, we are, we are suffering because man, what if I empowered that person and they transformed not only my life, but the life of other people around me, maybe they had a whole new ministry to our church that would revamp the mission. You never really know. And so this, like, it, it, sometimes I don't think that hits us well enough. We know what it's like when a loved one is suffering through an ailment or has a tragedy or something like we get that suffering together. And I do think a lot of times we do that well, it brings us together, but there's other time and those ways that we can hurt other people. And we don't see how we are suffering because it's not as much of a tangible hurt. Yeah. And, and it may not even be something as active as that, as just not considering the needs of everyone mm. in your church body. Yeah. Uh, because you, you know, what happens is you start to see, like for me, I think of my church that I'm serving at, not my church again, but uh, the church that I serve at. And I think kind of like broad strokes, how's the church doing? What's the overall health of the church? Like, what can I do to help? But I'm not, sometimes you get so overwhelmed by trying to serve the whole body that you fail to notice the individual members, or you don't take time, let's say like during the week to visit with them, to hear how their lives are going. Or on Sunday morning, you fail because you get caught up in doing all the little things to make your Sunday morning look more glamorous or look sharper. And that's not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong, but you fail to have those one-on-one -on -one interactions where you can actually hear, how's your life going? How's your family mm -hmm. doing? How's your work going? Uh, what do you need 
to get through this week spiritually or mentally. Like, how are you? Are you feeling broken today? You don't hear those things if you get caught uh, just trying to make things at a big picture look nice and clean and fit into a box. So uh, it's being mindful of uh, those members that kind of fall in the background more Mm -hmm. easily, right? They're not outspoken, but they're there. Uh, And it's trying to be just attentive to their needs every day. And, yeah. and the best way for me to do that is by having equipped other people within the congregation to reach out to the rest of the congregation, because I have a certain bandwidth, right? I can't mm-hmm. in a week, I can talk to probably a hundred plus people, but I can't, you start to get to a point where I can't hear and remember everything that's going on yep. in every life that I talk to. So if I have, mm-hmm. if there are elders or, or leaders in the church that are equipped to do that, to care right? Like Stephen ministers or something like that, then the church can really start to function more healthily and, and we can be attentive to who's getting left out, who's not in the mix. Yeah. And even starting, you know, recognizing people tend to be creatures of habit. So who are the people that are sitting in the pews around me? Maybe I start yeah. with just my pew. Then I go to the pew in front of behind me and around and learn a few names and maybe we exchange contacts. So if I don't see him for a week, I can still check in little things like that. And it's not, it doesn't always have to be groundbreaking, but can make a huge difference. And I love how you put that Jeff, because I've been trying to be a little bit more physically active and attempt, you know, make a few different parts of my body more healthy. Uh, but I've been hurting my feet to do it. So it's kind of like, oh man, mm. I'm making things worse to try to make things better because I wasn't attentive to my my stretching and my shoes on that. That's a pretty easy fix that I can get it once I realize it. But we want to be aware of all those areas. So I love love that. And it's good to know that uh, um, our pastors are, are thinking of their churches in, in those ways and um, want to bring people in because who would not want to be a part of a church that recognizes its different members and cares for one another? Like that is something that would be so attractive to the whole world. Cause that's something that is absent in way too many places. Yeah. Um, but let's uh, let's finish out the chapter here. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then the gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all word miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. Yeah, I love that we're one, even as we're many because it, it conveys kind of that transcendent reality of the Godhead, right? It's, it's three, but it's one, and it's totally unified in purpose. Uh, and uh, we're the same way. We're, we're also different, and yet we are completely unified in a way that doesn't always feel true, but it is true. And we have to believe in that truth and cling to that truth and work towards better expressions of that truth in the world. And so I, what I also love is that there's a wide variety of roles for the church that Paul lists here. Um, how many of them are pastor in this list, Jack? Because I don't see explicitly pastor listed anywhere. Yeah, you, it's, you it's really not. A, a pastor, a teacher. Uh, you could say some of the work that we do is prophetic, not in like the uh, gypsy around a, a crystal ball. We're not like future speakers all the time, but prophetic just in the sense that we say what God has said to us. Mm-hmm. We, we tell the truth, right? We uh, confront sin where it exists. That's really what the prophets and in the old Testament did, they, they just kind of told God's truth to the nation of Israel. So you could say that we're teachers and we're prophetic in a sense. Uh, but my point is that the, like I said before, the church does not belong to pastors. Uh, mm-hmm. We, we have been giving, we have been given uh, 
a certain amount of authority and stewardship of the church. Um, but not everyone needs to be a pastor. And I, I would love to see fewer and fewer pastors as kind of like the driving forces for ministries within the church, because I think um, ultimately this is Christ's church and we all have a stake in the mission of the church. And I, I would love just for their, especially in our church body, which so often kind of leans on pastors to be kind of the, the front of whatever we're doing. I would love to see that uh, become less and less of a reality where pastors could just be there to support their members and equip them. And then they're, they're the face of Jesus in the world as they go out from the church. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. That's just, kind of, those are my thoughts as we wrap well, I up love it. And I think that's an important thing again to note is that is the ministry belongs to all of us because Jesus has given that to us and he's equipped us for it in different ways. And that's a good thing. You look at all these gifts, some are cool. Some we kind of want, wish we'd see more. We wish we had, but all of these gifts are not self-serving gifts. They're all right. gifts that when used would glorify God as they bless his people in various ways. And that is why we desire higher gifts so that we can be a blessing to the people God has placed us around continuing to help and, that's just kind of what I, I think, I mean, I'm left with, and, and hopefully you are as well as you're listening, is that God has gifted you, and God has placed you in position to use those gifts. Uh, and that doesn't have to start after four more years of training and uncovering and all those things. You can start today as you're listening to this. You know things that you're, you're gifted in. You know things that you've worked well, and what areas in your life could be blessed by you using those gifts there. Uh, yeah. And that's a great place to start. And God is, I guarantee you, already there and will continue to empower you and lead you further on. And and there's a, a certain honor that comes from being like a ordained minister in the church. But that honor and that authority that we have, it doesn't matter if there's uh, no one else contributing to the life of the church, right? Like, okay, cool. If I'm a pastor of a church and no one's showing up and no one's talking about Jesus, it's just me kind of talking into an empty uh, auditorium or something, then, then my role is completely useless. So uh, understand your own value to the church, understand your own value to the mission of Jesus Christ, and that you were uniquely created and designed uh, to do things differently from everyone else. And so your ministry will be unique and it will be fun. And if you let God uh, have his way, uh, I feel like you'll be blessed by being in ministry with God. So um I would lean into your uniqueness, lean into uh, the diversity of the church um, and then trust that the spirit's going to figure it out. Yeah. And if you have some areas in which you're, you're excited to use your gifts, feel free again, send us an email. Let us know what it's about. We'd love to be praying for it. We'd love to be excited by the ministry that God's doing through your life. Uh, that is always a wonderful thing to uh, just celebrate each other in this, in this wonderful church. So please reach out. Thank you all for uh, listening today. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, for your teaching here as we continue through first Corinthians, we got a, a little bit more to go, a couple good chapters with some good length, but we'll have that all for yep. you guys. And again, thank you for uh, listening and we'll be back with another episode soon.